Welcome to The Flex. Now broadcasting from the Fantasy Sports Studios, here are your hosts of the flagship podcast, Chris Jakes and Jeff Kelly. Chris Jakes, Jeff Kelly not here today. He's off getting shoulder surgery as we speak. So flying solo, let's get right to it. NFL News. Orleans Darkwa leads the pack of waiver wire ads for week seven. Other top ads include Robert Woods, Muhammad Sanu, who's not going to be playing Sunday night. We'll get to that shortly. Kittle, Chris Ivory, and Dion Lewis. Top defenses added this week, Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills, and New Orleans Saints. And that's about as extensive as it gets with NFL news for the week. Other than, real quick, the NFL ratings decline, which has been a topic of conversation among a lot of national radio stations across the country this week. And it seems like none of them have the correct answer as to why the NFL ratings are down a little bit. And the answer to me is simple. So many people, especially millennials across the country, are cutting the cord of cable and doing subscription-based streaming to the television. And there's a lot of underground sports packages there, a few that I can think of that are around 14, 15 bucks a month that are much better as far as quality, accessibility, and definitely price than that of the NFL Sunday ticket. So for my money, if I had a bet on what's the cause behind the NFL ratings decline for this year, I think it's down seven, five to 7%. It's gotta be that, it's gotta be that. It's not gonna be the kneeling, the protest, it's not gonna be anything else other than the fact that there's these underground sports packages out there that are banking right now, man. They're doing pretty well. All right, so enough of that. Fantasy Preview. All right, we're jumping right to it, man. We're going to jump into Baltimore, Minnesota. Jarek McKinnon is coming off back-to-back 25-plus point fantasy performances. And I don't see the trend stopping here, man. I think he's going to go for a third. Adam Thielen has been a pretty consistent PPR, guys. Going for about close to 10 points a game. And if Diggs is out on this one, I expect big things from Thielen. I think Elon finds the end zone. And I think Thielen's going to be good for about 16 fantasy points. And as for Baltimore, there's absolutely nobody that you should feel comfortable starting right now. Even Justin Tucker, who is as reliable as it is in the NFL among kickers, he's just not a good fantasy kicker right now. And it's not because of talent, but because of that wretched offense. That offense is just so bad that it's just a lack of opportunity for Tucker to do well. So if you own Tucker, and if you see Will Lutz on the waiver wire, go make the switch. Moving on to the Jets and Dolphins. The Jets coming off a huge, huge disappointing loss to the Patriots. Man, I still can't get over that Austin Safarius Jenkins uh, turnover in the end zone. That was just, I still can't get over that call. Just ridiculous. Almost as bad as Thursday night's, what was it, three flags in the end of that Raiders-Chiefs game. Just, man, refs just need to let some plays just go, man. And I, I don't feel replay should be used for everything either. But I'll save that for Monday because there's a lot I want to get to. We'll kick off next, uh, week eight with uh, Monday's show. So anyways, back to the Jets. The offense played as well as they could have in that one. McCown over 300 yards against that terrible New England secondary. And they're really starting to put it all together. Matt Forte, 
he looks a little old and slow, but he can still catch the ball in the backfield. So if Bilal Powell sits out again for this week, I like Forte and PPR as a flex. If Powell plays, that's a crowded backfield, but I guess you got to give the nod to Powell as a flex. But to be honest, I wouldn't feel good about starting either one of them. Miami's run defense is pretty solid this year. It's their secondary that kills them and pretty much receivers. So for that for that reason, I'm going to go with Jermaine Curse. I'm playing Jermaine Curse this week. If I have some wide receivers on a buy or some under, underperforming wide receivers. Or if I have this next guy here, Devontae Parker, who most likely is not going to play on Sunday. He's listed as doubtful now. Parker's just been a huge disappointment. After the first couple weeks of the season, it looked pretty promising for the young wide receiver. But, man, he is such a pussy. He is a pussy, man. My goodness. I don't know. Disappointing. I own him in a couple leagues. Not happy at all with Devontae Parker and his inability to stay on the field and just lack of production aside from two weeks. But the Dolphins are coming off their biggest one of the year, I believe. Going down to Atlanta and just completely shutting down the Atlanta Falcons in the second half. As for the Dolphins in this one, I'm a little hesitant to start Jay Ajayi because, believe it or not, the Jets' run defense is still pretty solid, even with the loss of Sheldon Richardson. So I'm going to go Jarvis Landry in PPR. He's a must-start each and every week. I think Kenny Stills is worth the flyer in standard. And believe it or not, I think Julius Thomas could be a good daily play here. I think Julius Thomas finds the end zone in week, eight, uh, week seven. Moving on to Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. Last week, AP gunned it to 88 and turned the clocks back to 2012 en route to 134-yard rushing performance with two touchdowns. Pretty damn impressive for a guy that was way, way underutilized in New Orleans for the first five, four weeks of the season, five weeks of the season. They had a bye week, so four games, I guess. So I'm expecting pretty big things from AP again, even against that Rams defense who has come on as of late. And aside from that Leonard Fournette 75-yard touchdown run, they pretty much bottled up Leonard Fournette as well, and he's been on a tear lately. So I'm starting AP in this one, and I'm starting the guy that I can't stand the most in the NFL, and that's Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer's got an A-plus matchup this week. AP is going to really help the entire offense. I think that was a huge, huge acquisition by the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald must start as well right now in both formats, standard and PPR. John Brown I have as a low-end wide receiver too. It's tough to start him consistently because he's such, he's such a boomer bust type of player. PPR, I sell high on John Brown if I own him. As for the Rams, man, I'm a little hesitant about Jared Goff, but with the bye weeks in play, he's better than some of the other options out there right now. But I wouldn't feel good about it. Right now I have Jerry Goff as my quarterback 16 for the week. Todd Gurley must start every format. And I like Robert Woods in this game. I still think Patrick Peterson is going to take Sammy Watkins just based on the matchup of size. So I think Robert Woods, PPR, I think he's going to get you double digits again. And just hitting back on the Cardinals real quick, Andre Ellington who is dealing with an injury, he's questionable. I think it's time to move on from Ellington. I think with AP there, Ellington's just going to get shut out. Now, in bad matchups, say the Cardinals are playing Seattle or somebody like that, I would feel a little better about playing Ellington, Ellington as a must-start low-end flex. And when I say must-start, I'm not saying must-start him, but I'm saying if you have no other options and you have to play somebody, 
then I guess you could throw Ellington in as a flex. But, man, I don't think he's got much value going forward. I'd move on from him if I could. So, as for Sammy Watkins on the Rams, don't feel good about it. Don't like the matchup for him. But I think he is going to start to turn a corner here within the next couple of weeks. Moving on to Jacksonville and Indianapolis. Leonard Fournette is a little bit banged up. He didn't practice again on Friday. Chris Ivory, I think he's a must-add if you have the space on your bench. I think you have to add Ivory in both formats. Dude had nine catches last week, too. Pretty damn impressive. Now, having said that, if you have crazy running back depth like I do in one of my leagues where I own Fournette, I actually have, believe it or not, I have Melvin Gordon riding the pine. He's on the bench, which is crazy. I know. He's outperformed some of the matchups, but I've got Melvin Gordon and i got Jerick McKinnon as backups, so I'd prefer them over Ivory. But, man, if you need a running back, go get Ivory if you own Fournette. If you don't own Fournette, maybe he's a good bi-week streamer, especially if Fournette's a no-go on Sunday. But, man, on the Colts side of the ball, Frank Gore is averaging just 64 total yards per game and has as many fumbles as touchdowns to each. If I own Frank Gore, I'm not playing him unless I absolutely have to. Bye weeks. That's it. Bye weeks. He's a bye week fill-in at this point. Marlon Mack, I like his upside. Robert Turbin is now officially out for the year. I like Marlon Mack going forward in that Colts backfield. Oh, and real quick on the Colts. If you have Andrew Luck, it's time to drop his ass in redraft leagues. Dynasty, obviously, you're not going to drop him. But, man, I don't think Luck's coming back this year. I don't see it. Don't think so. Give me the Jags in this one, 27-13. Moving on to the Saints and the Green Bay Packers. And the Saints defense, as we all know, surprisingly finished week six as the highest scoring fantasy asset. Just crazy to me, man. I can't, oh, man, man. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable performance by the Saints defense. I was shocked. Shocked. Brent Hundley is taking over for Aaron Rodgers. Give me the Saints in this one. 34-23. Believe it or not, I like Aaron Jones in this game. I know that people are down on Jones right now. Well, with Montgomery being healthy and with Rodgers being out, it's understandable to think so. And he didn't play so well against Minnesota last week. But, man, I'm telling you, this kid's got talent. He's going to get the workload. You watch. I will challenge myself right here. Rest of the season, Aaron Jones has more rushing yards than Ty Montgomery. Stamp it. I like Jordan Nelson this game. A lot of people are saying Nelson's going to take a hit in his value. I disagree. I think Nelson's still going to be, yeah, he's going to take a little bit of a hit, but he's still going to be a wide receiver one to me. I think he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver going forward. As for Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, yes, obviously they're going to take a step back. But Nelson's going to be the security blanket there because we know damn sure well it's not going to be Martellus Bennett. So if you own Nelson, if you own Nelson you're okay. And if you want to make a trade for a wide receiver, I'd target Nelson. His stock is low right now. Everybody's low on him. Don't buy it. Moving on to Carolina versus Chicago. Got two solid defenses on display in this one. Luke Keekley remains questionable in this one after suffering, suffering a concussion last week. It looks like Keekley's going to play. If he doesn't, Jordan Howard's my top, a top five running back in fantasy for this week. I actually have him right at number five. Cam Newton's been on fire as of late, and he's going to have to throw. Chicago's got a pretty damn good run defense. I don't like Christian McCaffrey in this one. PPR, I think he'll still be worthy of a 
low-end RB2 flex. But I think that's a ceiling for him right there. I don't think he's going to do any better than that. And if you want Jonathan Stewart, time to cut bait with his ass too. He's garbage. He's not going to do it this year. He's done. Washed up. Done. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cameron Artis Payne starts to become more involved. Uh, ahead of Stewart, I should say. Not, not, not with McCaffrey, but with Stewart. I would not be surprised to see Stewart take a backseat to Cameron Artis Payne. Because Cameron Artis Payne was a guy that looked really good in the preseason. He's a young guy. Stewart clearly is as bad as Frank Gore right now, if not worse. Probably worse. I think Trubisky does okay in this one. Carolina's secondary, I'm still not impressed with. As far as Chicago skill position options, only two people I'm starting at Chicago side of the ball, Zach Miller, Jordan Howard, that's it. For Carolina, you start Cam. You start Benjamin if he's a go. You start Funchess if he's a go. I'm not starting Ed Dixon in this one. Mm-mm. Give me Carolina in this one, 24-17. Moving on to Tampa and Buffalo. And this is crazy to me, man. Jameis Winston, who's got a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder, is going to play in this one. He's going to play, it looks like. And this is what's surprising to me. If Last year, last year, right? Yeah, last year when Jimmy Garoppolo was filling in for Tom Brady, we saw Garoppolo for six quarters, and he looked pretty good. He beat the Cardinals opening night uh, last year. And then the next game, he sh- absolutely shreds Miami's defense through two quarters. And he goes out with an injury. And guess what injury that was? Yep. AC joint sprain, right shoulder. Dude misses three games. Not that he was going to play in that third game anyway. But he wasn't eligible to return until three games after that injury. So... It kind of makes me think that Garoppolo's got some puss in him, man. It makes me think that Garoppolo might not be all that he's cracked out to be. Cracked out. Cracked up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Jay Cutler, if anybody looks a little cracked out. Anyway, Jameis is going to play. Fitzpatrick did a pretty damn good job filling in, <laughs> filling in for Jameis last week, finishing as the number six quarterback in fantasy. When you count him down, man, he's never out. Buffalo's coming off a bye. They're at home. Their defense has been surprisingly very good this year. But, man, I just I just don't know where the hell they're going to get the offense from. Give me Tampa and this one on the road, 23-20. Tennessee and Cleveland. Marcus Mariota did his best Eli Manning impression standing in there and throwing from the pocket last week. Looked pretty good in the fourth quarter. It was uh, took him a little while. It took him a few quarters to get used to playing that way. But... Another week healthier, no setbacks. Like Mariota going in this one. Mariota definitely a top 12 quarterback this week against Cleveland. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where I'm intrigued. DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Henry has out-touched Murray by a total number of touches over the last two games. And frankly, he's just been a better running back. I think we're now starting to see the transition to move away from Murray and feed the ball to Henry. I like Derrick Henry in this game. Obviously, there's going to be much better options. Right now, I have Derrick Henry as my 22nd best running back for fantasy for Week 7. DeMarco Murray has a, has a borderline flex. I have him at number 25. I like Eric Decker in this game for Tennessee. I think Decker goes for 6 for 80 and a touchdown. So, for Standard Leagues, 12 points. 
And he's going to get you 20, I believe, in PPR. As for Cleveland side of the ball, Deshaun Kaiser named the starting quarterback once again. Duke Johnson, only one he can start there. I can't wait till Corey Davis returns. I'm really interested to see what he's going to bring to the table in that Tennessee offense. And I think he's definitely somebody should add off the waiver wire right now. Delaney Walker, tight end one this week as well. And give me the Titans in this one, 33-20. Moving on to San Francisco at Dallas. Brian Hoyer out. C.J. Bethard in. Carlos Hyde expected to be showcased again because despite Kyle Shanahan's denial, Hyde, who's also in a contract year, is rumored to be on the trade block in San Francisco to make way for Matt Breida. It makes sense, right? They're going to move on from Hyde. They're not going anywhere right now. They're in the middle of a rebuild. Hoyer is obviously never going to step foot on the field again unless something happens to Bethard. I think Bethard is going to be the quarterback the rest of the way. Pierre Garçon, regardless, still a good play this week. I like Kittles this week as well. And I absolutely love Hyde this week against Dallas. Especially in PPR formats. And I also think Hyde finds the end zone once again. Marquise Goodwin could be a shot in the dark in daily leagues. He could be a flyer. Somebody that's uh, low value, high upside, I think, in this one. Wouldn't be surprised if... If Goodwin posts a line somewhere similar to like two catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Dallas side of the ball. Give me Des Bryant all day. Give me Zeke all day. Cole Beasley with the bye weeks I would throw in as a, as a flex in PPR formats. And give me Dallas in this one, 30-17. to 17. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks flying to the East Coast to take on the New York, to take on the New York Giants. Seattle coming off a bye this week. So they've had two weeks to prepare for this one. Giants coming off as big of an upset as Mike Tyson getting dropped by Buster Douglas back in the day. The Seahawks offense has been in decline each of the last two seasons. And I don't think they're going to show up. Well, I think they're going to have trouble showing up in New York to play the Giants on Sunday. That Giants D-line, man, is night and day. You never know which one's going to show up, but I would not be surprised, based on the matchup, that the Giants show up on Sunday. I don't like Thomas Rawls. I don't like Eddie Lacy. I kind of like C.J. Procise, but not, I don't like him enough to start him this week. I want to give, give it some time, see how that backfield plays out. That back, This backfield just worries me right now. As for the Giants side of the ball, those who picked up Orleans Darkwa... Y'all are going to be disappointed. All right. I mean, we kind of have a big enough sample size of Darkwood to know what he is and what he isn't. And what he is is the Giants' best running back. But he's not one of those special type players that's going to just, you know, give you 80 yards and a touchdown or, you know, something like that each week. He's going to be a guy that you can play as a flex based on the matchup in standard leagues. Other than that, I wouldn't feel too great about Darkwood. Evan Ingram, I think you have to start him. I think Seattle's going to try to focus mainly on him, but I think he's still going to work the middle of the field, and I think he's still going to get some production for you in fantasy. Seahawks side of the ball again. We're going to hit on Doug Baldwin real quick. Not crazy about Baldwin. I think you kind of have to start him right now if you own him. Tyler Lockett could be a sleeper play in this one, and other than those two guys, I don't feel too good about anybody else. Jimmy Graham is tight end number 13 on my list this week. So he's kind of around the borderline of tight end one in deeper leagues. 
And I'll take Seattle in, in this one regardless. I'll take them 20-17. to 17. I just think that Giants offense, yeah, they looked pretty decent against Denver last week, you know, based on what they had to work with. But I think Seattle's ready for them. I think Seattle's going to give it to them in this one. Moving on to the Bengals taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has the number one passing defense in the NFL so far up to this point in 2017. But when you consider the quarterbacks that they've played against through the first six weeks, uh, it's really not all that surprising that they're number one. I mean, just look, let me just run through some of the names real quick, all right? You got Deshaun Kaiser, Sam Bradford, Mike Glennon, Joe Flacco, Blake Bortles, Alex Smith. Now, aside from Alex Smith, none of those other guys are exactly lighting the world on fire. So let's not get it twisted here, all right? Pittsburgh is an above-average secondary, but not nearly as good as the statistics suggest. They're not number one, not even close. I would, I would even consider them the top 10 secondaries in the NFL right now. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think that uh, it wasn't Sam Bradford that played. I think it was Case Keenum uh, that played when they squared off against Pittsburgh. But regardless, regardless, it's not like he's any better. So, no, Pittsburgh secondary... Not buying the hype, man. I think Cincinnati's going to stick it to him here. I like A.J. Green this week. I like Andy Dalton this week. Joe Mixon, PPR is a flex. Perhaps Gio, we'll see. I wouldn't feel good about starting Gio. But if you're throwing darts, he's one of those darts, I guess, that better than some others that are out there for this week. Tyler Croft, I think, has an okay game. I could see him putting up around... Eight, I'd say about eight fantasy points is right where I put Croft for this week. Le'Veon Bell keeps it rolling. Over 100 yards and a touchdown and five receptions. And give me the Cincinnati Bengals for the upset in this one. I'm taking the Bengals 27-23 to in Pittsburgh. Denver Broncos travel to L.A. to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. In week six, Trevor Simeon looked about as ordinary as a mid-sized SUV on the highway, man. Just just very, very ordinary. Nothing special in that game last week. Granted, like I just talked about in the Giants, the Giants' defense showed up. They played pretty well. Now, having said that, Demarius Thomas is going to be a must-start this week because Emmanuel Sanders is dealing with some injury. Having said that, Trevor Simeon, it's going to be good enough to make DeMar... Uh, having said that, Trevor Simeon's going to be good enough to make Demarius Thomas relevant for Week 7. Because Emmanuel Sanders is out for this one. And I don't trust Benny Fowler. So for this week, I have Demarius Thomas as wide receiver number 10. So he cracks the wide receiver 1 list for this week. Give me C.J. Anderson to start in this one as well. I like him as a high-end RB2 for this week. And I like A.J. Derby. I like A.J. Derby to find the end zone here in this one. So if you're looking for a sleeper tight end in daily, I think AJ Derby's the guy. Hitting on the Chargers side of the ball, I like Melvin Gordon because he's been proving me wrong in other tough matchups, and it's hard to count him out right now. Phillip Rivers, he's going to take a seat on the bench for me this week. Keenan Allen, I think he's going to be a wide receiver two in PPR formats for the week. As for Tyrell Williams, can't start him. Hunter Henry, I like in this game. I think he's going to have a big day. I think he keeps that streak going. He's out snap gates. By 25 snaps the last two weeks, I think he's, that's going to take... Gonna, 
I think that's going to continue. I have Hunter Henry as my number four tight end for week seven. Give me the Chargers in this one, 23-20. Moving on to the Sunday night game, you got the Atlanta Falcons taking on the New England Patriots in Foxborough. A rematch of Super Bowl 51. This game's probably going to be a shootout. You got two. Well, you got one mediocre defense in Atlanta. Vic Beasley's return should help them a little bit, especially with that terrible offensive line for the Patriots. And you got the Patriots, whose defense is just absolute garbage. So Matt Ryan, who's right around quarterback 20 on the season, I think he's going to jump up and be a QB one this week. I think it's going to that trend's going to continue for that Pats defense, man. I think Matt Ryan goes over 300 yards, and I'm going to say three touchdowns for Matt Ryan as well. And sticking with the Falcons side of the ball, I'm going to say Devontae Freeman is going to have a pretty big week. I don't think he's going to have a great rushing day necessarily. I think he goes for maybe 45 to 55 on the ground. But I think he definitely goes over 100 total yards of offense. I think he's going to be a killer for you in PPR leagues. I think he's going to put up about 120 total yards. And I think he finds the end zone as well. I think he's going to be one of the beneficiaries of getting across that goal line there in New England. Julio Jones. This is it for him, man. This is going to be a big game for Julio. Julio is my number two wide receiver for the week. And I made these rankings prior to Amari Cooper's amazing day Thursday night. So Julio is going to drop to number three now that the Thursday night game is over and done with. So Julio, now my number three wide receiver. Expect big things. I think he's going to go for about 130. And... Yeah, I guess just one touchdown. Taylor Gabriel, I think, gets the other one there. Those are my three touchdowns that Matt Ryan's going to throw right there. So, having said that, Gabriel obviously going to be another nice streamer as well. Especially in daily formats. And I expect Malcolm Butler to cover Gabriel in this one. And when that happened in the Super Bowl, Gabriel just ran circles around Butler. And Butler is a shell of himself right now. So, I like a lot of the offensive weapons for Atlanta in this game here. On the Patriots side of the ball, you got to start Tom Brady, obviously. He's my quarterback number three for this week. Gronk, tight end number two this week. Chris Hogan, wide receiver number 11. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver 17. And I got Danny Amendola cracking the flex list. I think Danny Amendola could be a, a decent daily play, low end. I think he'll get you about 8 to 10 points. Now, having said all of that on the Atlanta side of the ball on the offense, I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots kind of blow them out a little bit in this one. Give me the Patriots in this one, 38-28. And headed over to the Monday night game, you got the Washington Redskins taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Kirk Cousins finishes week six as the number one quarterback in fantasy. And he surprisingly did so with not really having any production from the wide receivers there. Chris Thompson continues to keep it rolling. I think it doesn't stop here in Philly. This has to be it, man. This has to be it for Tyrell Pryor. He's got to step up this week, and I think he does. Josh Doxson is a decent tournament play for Daly. 
He's somebody that's going to be affordable, but is such a boomer bust type of play type of player. But I think Dotson, I think he finds the end zone this week. Jameson Crowder, man, I don't know what the hell happened to him from 2016 to 2017. I mean, second half of last year, he was a PPR beast, and he's just kind of still MIA right now. A lot of mouths to feed in the offense. It's nice to see they're using two tight ends now. Vernon Davis getting a lot of play. Jordan Reed getting a lot of play as well. I think Jordan Reed is going to have a big game. I think he goes for about six catches, about 70 yards, and a touchdown. I like a touchdown for him in this one as well. Vernon Davis, I think he'll be a fine PPR streamer here. I think he goes for about six for 60 as well. I don't think he finds the end zone on this one. But Terrell Pryor, I think he's going five for but for about 80. And I think he finally finds the end zone there as well. So I think uh, I'm hoping big things for Terrell Pryor this week. As for the Redskins running backs, Chris Thompson's the only one he can start with confidence, and that's in PPR only. Rob Kelly might play in this one. He's still going to be sitting on the bench for me there. Samaj P. Ryan, same thing. And Washington's defense is playing a little bit better. Although Bethard kind of threw them for a loop last week. I think they'll bounce back. They'll be okay. I think it just the unfamiliarity with with, uh, with C.J. Bethard kind of let San Francisco back in that game. But Philly side of the ball. Carson Wentz, got to play him. Love the kid. I think three or four years from now, I think Carson Wentz and Derek Carr are going to be battling it out for the number one quarterback in the NFL. But back to the game, though. Wendell Smallwood. If you absolutely need to play a running back and you don't have better options, I guess he's okay in PPR formats. Wouldn't feel good about it in this matchup. Also coming off an injury, so I don't know how effective he's really going to be. Like, Garrett Blunt's done pretty well on the ground the last couple weeks for them, so regardless, it's going to be a timeshare. PPR is the only format where I would start small wood and be confident enough to think that he's going to get at least at least six or seven points for you. Alshon Jeffrey. I think this is a big game for him. Alshon Jeffrey right now is my wide receiver 13. I think he's going to have a big week. And I'll take the Redskins to win this one in Philly. 31-27. Yeah, so I got a lot of upsets this week. So definitely check out fantasysportstudios.com because we're going to be posting all the daily plays of the week for you, starts and sits, as well as the point spreads. Going to have a couple parlay bets for you as well. So for those that do daily, for those that do NFL betting, definitely going to want to check out the website and we'll keep you posted. That's going to be out probably, well, let me see here. It's going to be posted... Saturday morning at 11 a.m. So that'll give you guys ample time to head over to the site, check it out, get your lineups in order for daily, get those bets in. So that concludes the Week 7 preview. Now let's get to some other stuff here. Fire up the prediction machine. Five bold predictions. And since Jeff is not with us today, recovering from shoulder surgery, he's going to be back in the studio on Monday, instead of five bold predictions, I'll give you guys ten. Here we go. Number one, Alshon Jeffrey finishes as a top 13 wide receiver. 
Number two, Terrell Pryor has over 17 fantasy points in PPR formats. Three, Chris Hogan finishes as a top 10 wide receiver. Number four, Hunter Henry finishes as a top five tight end. Russell Wilson goes over 50 yards rushing. Adrian Peterson finishes as a top eight running back. Jamal Charles goes over 13 fantasy points in PPR scoring. AJ Derby finishes as a top 10 tight end. Julius Thomas, 10 points in standard scoring. And Aaron Jones has more rushing yards than Ty Montgomery. All right, let's get to one more thing before we get out of here, and that's the Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. And I kind of touched base on this already, what the referees and just taking out, pretty much taking the game out of the players' hands Thursday night between the Chiefs and the Raiders. This is a trend that I am not liking right now. This is two weeks in a row where the refs have completely dicked over one of the teams in their matchup. It, it, just terrible. Just terrible. Now, this one, I think, on Thursday night, I think the the result or the impact that the referee's decision with all the flags at the end had was more costly than the one that happened in Week 6. And I'm going to have to check this out, man. I don't know if it's the same officiating crew, because if it is, that crew needs to be... They need the boot, man. They need to be out of the league. They can't be having too much of an impact like that on game, on these games. It's just ridiculous. And the Week 6 game I'm referring to is obviously the Patriots and the Jets when Austin Safarian Jenkins clearly had a damn touchdown that would have potentially altered the course of that game. Granted, I think the Patriots were still, still going to come out on top of that one. But that was just... That's got to be the worst call that I've seen in the last 10 years. Easily got to be the worst call. Now, for Thursday night's game... The calls were not as bad as that one, obviously. There were some ticky-tack calls, but nothing as bogus as the, as the Week 6 call with ASJ. The Thursday night game, just to have it end the way it did. Now, I like NFL replay. I think the replay system isn't perfect, but I think it eliminates a lot of controversy. And I think it also helps a lot of the fans of the game feel like they didn't get screwed over because as fans, obviously, we can see the replay and if the officials don't have that replay that benefit of replay then obviously they can't see what the hell really happened so I think replay definitely is a good thing but what really pisses me off are just the unnecessary flags late in games that are deciding the outcomes of these games they're taking the game out of the players hands they're putting it upon themselves to influence the game now clearly Jared Cook did not get the ball across the, the pylon before before being down by contact. So I was totally fine with that, and I thought that was going to add another element of excitement to that, to that game. But I was concerned because what happened to the 10-second runoff? Granted, the Raiders had a timeout, but they didn't have to burn it, and there was no, there was no runoff. Yet there was a runoff in the Detroit-New Orleans game, and Jared Cook didn't fall out of bounds. Nah, man, he was down by contact. His ass hit the half-yard line, and that's end of the play. But they reviewed it because they called it a touchdown, and they overturned it. But for some crazy-ass reason, 
there was no 10 second runoff. They did reset the game uh, the game clock, but there was no runoff. So the Raiders have the ball, plenty of time to run at least two plays, and then three consecutive flags. It may have been four. I have to double check. Man, there was just so many damn flags at the end. I mean, the tra- the Raiders go from having the ball at the half yard line to having it at like the eleven yard line to back and forth. It was just it was frustrating. It, it really extended the game longer than it needed to be, and I just I just wasn't happy with it. And the the flag that was thrown in the back of the end zone on one of those plays, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the second the second flag, I believe. That was a little bogus to me. A little bogus. That was really ticky-tack. The defender didn't turn around, so I get it. But that ball, was it really catchable? I mean, Carr kind of overthrew that one a little bit. So, I don't know. Just annoying the, annoys the hell out of me. I think they need to do something about the officiating late in these games because if it's not the the subscription-based packages that people are streaming to their TVs that's, that's d- declining NFL ratings, it's going to be crap like that. It's going to be that kind of stuff, man. I mean, it's so frustrating to, to have to sit there at the end of the game and you got eight seconds left on the game clock. And to, to play that final eight seconds takes like a good 15 minutes. Ridiculous. In a night game, no less. People got to work on Fridays. Just saying. Anyway, the NFL referees, y'all are my dicks of the week. That's the end of today's show. Just kind of recapping or previewing week seven action. Just kind of doing it on the fly, riding solo. I was trying to get Kevin, the Fantasy Sports Studios beat writer, to join us today, but he's down in Miami. He was down to practice today, so no good there. Norm is sick. Jeff is having shoulder surgery. Jeff's back on Monday, so we'll have a little more back and forth for you. Don't forget to submit your mailbag questions to questions at fantasysportstudios.com. We've definitely been getting some interesting ones coming through the mailbox. Man, you guys are definitely creative. We did receive a lot of you guys' submissions. Got a lot of questions about favorite pranks that we've done, other stuff. So, man, we're going to have, uh, we're going to flex out. We're going to do some random questions for you next week as well. And uh, promise to have a really good show for you guys next week. So, good luck to everybody in their fantasy leagues. We'll see you guys early next week. Till then, see ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Flex. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play Music. Visit FantasySportsStudios.com to get your fantasy sports fix and interact with the show. Follow us on Twitter at FantasySStudios and on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Studios.